Well, hello everyone. Welcome to another seasonal Squiggly Film Club podcast. Ho, ho, etc. I'm Ben Mitchell, joined by Laura Beth Cowley. Laura, hello. Hello. And Steve Anderson. Steve, hello. Ho, ho, hello. It's the uh, the third of, I guess, four special seasonal episodes. This episode we're going to be watching Arthur Christmas, the Oddman feature film that came out in 2011 which means I reviewed it for Squiggly nine years ago, probably to the day. Let's just say to the day to make it more magical. So we're watching this on Netflix. It's available throughout the holiday season on everyone's uh, favourite, I don't know, maybe favourite streaming service. Let's not, you know... We don't, yeah. need, to, we don't need to pit them against each other, I we, suppose. It's it's the one that like gets the most press. We like them all equally. Press. Please sponsor us, Netflix. Yeah, if they sponsored us, it's their favourite. But until then, it's the worst. <laughs> we do enough for Netflix, for crying out loud. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready? Yes, indeed. Okie dokie. And three. Three. Two. Two. One. One. Play. play. Ah. <laughs> two laughs. Sound off. That one. <laughs> And that's just to remind us as well that it is Sony Pictures Animation as well as uh, as well as Ardman that uh, that produced this uh, film. It's Columbia, the uh, a Sony Pictures Entertainment Company. I, I always call her the Ghostbusters lady. Which Ardman yes. ident are we going to get? Well, I've been getting nice last one. billing on this one. My goodness, that's sad. What shade? Ah, uh, it's the oh, it's the, the sticky pink one. Print one, roller paint. Oh, ink, yes. I but not like the long one. one. I like the long one where you get to see the woodcuts. That was very minimal, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Nah. Was that used in like one film? Yeah. I don't know which one. Like John Sheep or something. Is it Pirates? Pirates. Ah. Write in and let us know, folks. <laughs> Cornwall. So, uh... Speaking of writing in, we I did uh, I did ask on the old Twitters for people to give us their uh, opinions or thoughts or whatever on this film. Uh, we've got some other opinions uh, which which I've taken from uh, the IMDb reviews, which are always a, a joy. Uh, I'll read them out in a bit. Um, but Mike Tharm got in touch at Mike Tharm T H A R M E. Uh, when I first saw the trailer, I didn't really think much of it at first, but when I saw the film, boy, was I kicking myself that I missed this one at the cinema. Great cast story and brilliant writing. A plus, 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 plus. So Mike loves it. There you go. Start it off by, uh, wetting everyone's appetite. I did like this part of the film. That's, uh, the bit that's happening now, the, the bit how they've kind of, They've made it original, haven't they? They've put their own spin on it and made uh, Santa a legacy as opposed to kind of one mythical vampire thing that doesn't die. (laughs) And he's more like the royal family, isn't he? Oh, I remember now when we saw it in the cinema, it was in 3D. Oh. And this reveal of the long hallway was like, ooh, depth. (laughs) (laughs) And I do wonder if there was any reason for the hallway to be that long other than... It being in 3D, like in Jaws 3D, when people just point at the camera a lot for no reason. <laughs> oh, look, this shark victim died pointing. <laughs> I, think I remember... Rest assured that no stereoscopic film was ever made for a reason. 
<laughs> just was it? Um, no, just was it at best gimmickry, at worst mm, to make it more expensive to see in the cinema. <laughs> just, to, just to screw over Joe Public. Yeah. You have to spend an extra couple of quid on those flimsy glasses. God, do you remember those days when you just wore glasses that other people had worn mere moments <laughs> ago? That's a memory from a pre-COVID era. They did clean them. Did they, though? Yeah. They said they did. <laughs> I think that's, that's one thing that... that Covid has kind of taught us all is the the the, the thoroughness of which you can clean something. <laughs> it's you know you can you 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 are able to clean things properly and you you know it's it's a good thing to do that. But yeah, I remember the three D glasses. Um, oh, long ago. But uh, yeah, two thousand eleven, the early sort of early noughties, early two thousand tens, whatever you want to call this decade that we're sort of out of now. But um, was it Monsters vs. Aliens when I saw it? At, I think it was on an Annecy or something like that and um, or, or at cinema somewhere. And um, right at the very beginning, there's somebody with a baton ball. And he's, he's just using a baton ball and he turns around and does it into the camera. Of course. And, and it's like, oh, for God's sake. It's like, I know it might be kind of, you might be taking the mickey out of it a little bit. But I'm I'm not a fan. <laughs> the one yeah. I remember is Caroline with the uh, sewing needle. I think that's probably the only use of 3D I've ever accepted as being worthwhile. That needle or the whole film? The whole film. You know what? Stop motion and 3D, I don't mind. Yeah, I think that's the only w- place where I can see it having a reason that makes sense. So mm. that you get the idea... So you can sort of see the grain. The worst thing I've ever seen is like a, a film that's not really made for 3D being in 3D, like a CG film. And I think it was Ice Age. One of the Ice Ages, one of the later Ice Ages. And it just made everything look like a pop-up book. And I was like, it is 3D, mm. but it's already 3D. And so by making it like stereoscopic, it just makes you're just aware of layers and it flattens all of the layers and it looks like a concertina book. Oh, so it wasn't rendered out. I don't know. It just looked shit. Well, I, I know they had done that with stuff where the only source material was 2D. Like, they would do 3D prints of um, Nightmare Before Christmas and The Lion King. And that, I imagine, would have been very flat planes. Well, Nightmare Before like, Christmas is quite weird because they digitally recreated the edges of scenes so that they could do the, the slightly... the slight. The depth. Yeah, it's yeah. like uh, yeah. misregistration. Yeah. Oh, and they, that's what you would have to do to create the different planes. But then once you're in like a plane of action, let's say Jack Skellington in front of, you know, a crowd of people, but he's in the foreground. Mm-hmm. How do you then make him 3D? Like you would have to really go through it like with a lot of... Um, uh, attention to detail and um you know, there are processes now that probably make it easier i i just remember like the talk at the time was that it all felt very flat and like you say like a um a storybook i guess nowadays the thing is uh going more for uh vr that will probably be the next 
main thing is that films will be filmed or created in a way that can also be VR. A bit like when they... Didn't they do a VR version of, um, like, behind-the-scenes for Isle of Dogs? Yeah. So you can get a sense of the all that the That was a 360 as the... opposed to VR, yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. That, I guess, would be the next thing. All of which I dislike. I don't want to wear more glasses when I go to the cinema. I've already got to wear one pair. I think, honestly, that those are the reasons why this stuff never really takes off and why they keep bringing 3D into films. Like, every couple of decades, they'll they'll really make a push for it. And I think the last big push, like at the beginning of the um, the 10s, um, was the closest to it, I think, kind of taking hold and becoming a normal thing. But all of the like the at home alternatives, if you know the three D mm. TVs and stuff, those are all just as faddish as the yeah. stuff they would bring about in the eighties or nineties. Like the tech, like the remarkable tech achievements that are around for like a year, yeah, and then you never see them again. So, have we ever seen a four D film? No. When that like, like one of those with the chair wobbles yeah, around, yeah, and you oh. get like sprayed with water and stuff, and you get like wind. Yeah, I've, I've sat next to an obnoxious person in the cinema who kicks the back of my chair and spits his drink <laughs> all over me. It's a similar thing. The but, fourth dimension is moistness, pretty much. <laughs> but then well, that, that's a shot for a three D film. It just—I think it would make you want to vomit. Well, that is the other issue. Is like. You know, in a lot of respect, if you don't quite get it right, and I think maybe you mentioned this, Steve, that there had been films that had been released stereoscopically that actually... That was me. It was you, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, it's part of the reason. One of the many reasons we're not doing Polar Express. Polar Express, yeah. Yeah, they, um, Polar Express, they misaligned the eye placement. Yeah. So basically everything was just slightly... Because you have to be so careful yeah. with that, um, that numeric... That just made everyone want to vomit. And also, it was the Polar Express, so they wanted to vomit anyway. Hey, uh, you know, a lot of people love the Polar Express. They're this wrong. Is... A lot of people <laughs> love James Corden. Yeah, they're <laughs> all wrong. Here's what I know about a lot of people. A lot of people can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> a lot you know, of people I... gave up Mrs. Brown's boys. <laughs> it I'm has not. Um... Well, it has its place, and, you know. They don't, Otherwise, a lot of people to like everything. It's just, I'm just saying that these are many of the reasons why we're not doing Polar Express on this year's Christmas one. Fair but we enough. are going to do the Mrs. Brown's Boys Christmas special because Laura loves it so much. We better. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I love in Mrs. Brown's animated. Boys when they, they 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 take it easy for a minute and stop stop with the jokes and do something really heartfelt and sincere and sweet. Uh, the audience all collectively goes aww. I just it just reminds you of you know a simpler. Oh. <laughs> you right? <laughs> no, you're looking at my head like really concerned. You like got a it. cut on your head. Oh, that's not good. I'm just spontaneously bleeding now. This is what's come of my age. No, that's the new 2020 head stigmata. My head's just, my head just opens up and. Should I should I do something about it or? No, you'll be all right. <laughs> okay, until unless it starts running in my eyes or soldier on. <laughs> this is this is a live podcast, Ben. You, you're going to have to die on the podcast, I'm afraid. Yep. Well, that's how I'm going to go. Anyway, it may as well be this one. <laughs> I think I find the scale of this room unpleasant. Like, I get the idea that it's, like, showing how crazy busy it is and trying to capture that idea of, like, how is it possible to deliver all the things in one night? Oh, it must be, you know, really, really hard. But I just, I feel like this is a bit much. <laughs> 
it yeah, kind of it just feels a bit copy and pasty. I think is why I don't like it. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of when in my sort of earlier days of um, like learning animation, and I was way more into like CG to begin with, but also terrified of of entering that world because it was around the time like Monsters Inc came out and that sequence with you know all the doors you know and that kind of it's like jesus christ there's so much stuff that is expected of movies now and that i'm sure if you saw if i watched that scene now would be like oh jesus christ it's copy and paste with a different color layers yeah you could do this on any computer at home and render it yourself today (laughs) (laughs) but um well actually but then kind of learning the software and learning about that element of it and realizing oh actually this is demystified it quite a lot for me so all my cg projects that i did all involved giant sprawling rooms mm-hmm. with a shit ton of stuff going on in them <laughs> because like yeah see i'm i'm this is this is going to impress whoever that and then i never ever ever sent a cg show reel out ever anywhere <laughs> but um i wonder if we can try and point figure out if we can see the same elf twice in the scene I think on any of the wide shots. There. There. <laughs> Just take it for... Mm. Yeah, there's bound to be, isn't there? Oh, yeah. What do you make of this, That what, what they've added to this kind of the Santa mythology? Because there's only so many... Oh, look, there's a poster takes. for over the hedge. No, over it's, the hedge. Um, it looked like it. Brother Bear. No, it's not Brother Bear. No, it's o- open season. Open season. Sony Pictures. Something with animals. Yeah, which is um, the only uh, the only time anyone fictional or non-fictional has ever had a poster of open season up on the wall. <laughs> it feels weird that they'd have done that because that's obviously not an Ardman film. It's probably a Sony film, but it is. Yeah, it's a bit strange, no? Sony really kind of piled on this one didn't they they yeah. really because it was it was 50 percent of production was made or oh, sorry a year and a half was was so all the idea and all that sort of stuff was made in bristol made an art at ardman so the character designs and and everything else and then the the animation and the modeling and everything to complete the film was done in la oh. so it is it is very split but um yeah sony really have Made uh, made every effort to remind you that it's a Sony film. Just, I mean, just as much as Ardman have done as well, because there are some uh, Ardman references throughout. I mean, earlier on when the the elves were putting the toys um, in the uh, uh, putting the toys out, one of them were, was was uh, rolling the train tracks and putting the tracks in front of the train, just like Wallace and Gromit. Um, where, whereas uh, I think there's a Shaun the Sheep in there somewhere as well. It's quite um, interesting so- that. It doesn't really look like Ardman style in the way that, like, um, Flushed Away did, which was really just yeah. a CGI version of Ardman. Mm. I think it's the eyes in this that really don't make it seem like Ardman. Like, yeah. The, the ge- there's a general approach to. Just, they're very small. I think what they may have taken from Flushed Away, certainly what I remember about the critical response to it, was that keeping the stop motion look from stuff like Wallace and Sean the Sheep with the CG that at the time was already not, it didn't quite match up to Hollywood films doing CG. Um, it wasn't quite cosmetically 
pretty enough to sort of work, I think. And the fact that they looked like the sort of stop motion counterparts in design just reminded people how much nicer the film would probably have been in stop motion. But isn't that what they're doing at the moment? Aren't they releasing some sort of stop motion CG hybrid show or something? Well, I think now it's it's a little different. Like 15 years, a lot of stuff has happened mm. in terms of CG, yeah, you can mainly get, lighting. and, and You the, do get a lot of more CG projects now that sort of attempt to mimic claymation. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, it's still not the same, but it's more... It's, um, it's quite It's good. closer. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, Have you seen the Google Opera things that were released? No. Yeah, this... Um, this was one of those kind of. Uh, it, it basically it's purple and brown. You know, Rich Weber from from Aardman who did um, yeah. purple and brown and 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 does amazing work. There's no kind. Of, I mean, even though Aardman has a very set style, a very kind of you know you can recognise it. I think those that know Aardman or love Aardman know the difference between something from Nick Park and something from Peter Lord yeah. and something from Rich Weber. It's not so purple and brown and nothing like morph. And they and both of those are nothing like Wallace and Gromit. Yeah, they have like three or four different house stars that, like, to the untrained eye, kind of all look the same. But there yeah. are quite strong differences to movement, and also, once again, it kind of comes down to the size of eyes. <laughs> like Richard Webb yeah. often uses uh, unmatching eyes, so like one slightly bigger than the other. Mm-hmm. But this um, this Google um, Opera thing. It, it it is it is purple and brown, but in CG, ah, okay. and you get to uh, move the characters Jesus and they blob up and down. <laughs> the crowd Have you found scene, it? no, just looking scene, at the crowd right? scene. <laughs> um, of the well, you're jo- watching the film, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Enough of the millions and millions of elves. <laughs> it fre- it's freaking me out a bit. They they look like ants. <laughs> I I don't think I quite like the scale of them. They're that little bit too small. Well, if we're going to find those repeated elves, then we're going to find them now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this this um, this Google um, opera thing. Take a look at it and try not to get absolutely furious that they've just basically nicked <laughs> purple and brown. Oh, so Arben didn't work on it. It's got no oh, Arben yeah. on it whatsoever. No. I've given oh, wait, it a look. Is Rude. it? Uh, is it not Nathan Love? No, no, I've not seen. I, I've not. I've had a look. I've, I, I looked for credits. I looked all that sorts of. I couldn't find because mm. uh, Nathan anything. Love has I mean, a I, very uh, Weber look. Yes, but their look. Yeah, but their looks is a lot more fleshy, isn't it? Yeah, it's very yeah. the CG kind of uh, uh, gooey fleshiness. Um, uh, let me look for it. Google Opera. Google Opera. Yeah, Blob <laughs> Opera. It's called. Um, I'll try and look at something that I. Didn't look at earlier on because maybe it will tell me that it's Arben Nathan Love. And then what I can do is um, stop um, stop being furious, and and uh, that'd be good for my uh, blood pressure, won't it? I don't know. I think a, a little undercurrent of fury is good for the metabolism. Yeah, <laughs> I like the colour of the curtain behind them. Calming. It's like a um, minty. It's Fortin Fortin Mason's colour. Oh. Or um, Tiffany. Mm. It's probably more Tiffany. Like a coloured gin. 
<laughs> or like the Flintstone ice lollies you'd get as a kid. It's the colour of Betty. <laughs> this is a colour of, of synthetic raspberry flavouring yeah. for some reason. It was always this shade of blue. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't just make it purple. Like a raspberry. A raspberry. A raspberry. A raspberry. A raspberry. I feel like Mrs. Claus is not particularly interestingly designed. She kind of looks like the queen. I think that's the point, isn't it? I think um, <laughs> the... Uh, it's so this, Britain. This... We need to have the queen in it. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, um, they're cl- it's clearly the royal family. I think that's... Um, uh, I see. You know, that that's the sort of uh, So the is joke. Arthur like Harry? Arthur's like, yeah. Arthur's like um, like Harry, so uh, he's going to disappoint them all <laughs> by uh, by having his own life. By absconding. The newspaper's going to write so much about him. Um, he's the lovable screw-up. <laughs> what the hell is he drinking? There's like liquidized sprouts. Ooh, sounds nice. Ugh, what is that? It looks like bile. I think it's mint jelly. It looks like bile. I think it's meant to be like champagne, but it's too green. Maybe Are they just drinking pure absinthe? Yeah. <laughs> it's cold up there. Isn't it, know, long, why rough is it green? Year. Is that not weird? Is it creme de menthe? No, it's like transparent, but green is really unpleasant. Isn't that what creme de menthe is? I thought creme de menthe was like creamy. Uh, I thought it was a lot more kind of luminous, but... Um, what are you? The people who are tuning in for the animation factoids are driving. <laughs> Join in. Like, what the hell are they drinking? Also, why is he having all the pills with the absinthe? Because <laughs> uh, he's, I mean, it's an old person. It's alcohol and pills, there's two things. Is it also not weird that for a, a house of Christmas that their 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 Christmas meal is so unfestive? They've, like, they've got a Charlie Brown Christmas tree and... Everything is very clinical. Maybe that's sort of a little a bit of rice subversion there. Like, if but wouldn't anything. it just be Christmassy all year round? Like, why bother taking it down? It's well, literally that, your life. Yeah, but if it's if it's like your work life, um, why why you might not want to take that home with you? You he know? can't help it. He's <laughs> Maybe Santa. Christmas for Santa is just nothing to do with Christmas for a bit. I'm really freaked out by all the transparent things like why are the picture frames transparent why is the fireplace transparent is it made of, ice? made of ice isn't it yeah well how what they're in the north pole it's like a nice hotel. how can they yeah. have a fireplace made of ice because it's christmas magic laura clearly no, wrong you know what they, they this is it's their loss that we went around for the fact checking because no films need to have consultants for exactly this reason i don't like it I disapprove. It's an electric fire. Whatever that's made out of would break. Wrong. <laughs> it's uh, there's, yeah, there's going to really be some more the... stuff happening in this film that's going to upset and confound you. I'm I'm, I'm afraid to say. <laughs> some like some grandpa. stuff is just outright like fantasy fiction. I like the grandfather because he's the only one with like appropriate sized eyeballs. Everyone else's <laughs> eyeballs are too beady. For 
the Oddman brand or just people? Just in general. Like, I think you I should... I do agree that the he just Arthur looks more Christmas's appealing. design... They all look really fetal. Like, their eyelids don't feel like they can properly, like, fully cover. Like, they, they clearly blink at some points, but their eyelids just feel way too far back into their heads. Do you know what I mean? I know what you're saying, yeah. I, I agree that the the smallness of the eyes in general... Um, Makes them quite unappealing. Also, certainly, the, the, like I said, the design of the main character doesn't feel very main character-y. And something that came up, I remember, around the time that this was being marketed, and I remember there was a big marketing campaign uh, with the post office, because, mm. um, well, you know, it's about delivering things, right? And so you can do your Christmas. And Ardman, I think, always does something with the post service at Christmas when they've got something new out. Right. Well, certainly this was a was a you know, brand. good fit. Um, so there were any post office he went to were posters and giant cardboard cutout standees and things like that. And I do remember people commenting on the film not feeling like a sort of I don't know. I think mainly it's sort of a mix of it not being quite Admin and not being quite Pixar. Now, those are two really broad, sweeping, like, brushstrokes and unfair comparisons. I mean, of course, it is Admin, yeah. but, you know, people associate... I think mean, most people, like, they think uh, Pixar and DreamWorks and Disney and everything is just all one entity. Yeah. Like, everything that does... Um, CG films is just the same thing to like a lot of the general public, um, and don't even know that you know there's CG made in England even. Um, they call it the American style. Yeah, the American special effects. I remember. Uh, uh, anyway, the issue I found like with sort of and then trying to sort of recommend it to people who had kids is like something to watch at Christmas because I saw this film like I said to review it. I really liked it. And I felt like the need to really make the review as sort of, you know, earnest uh, as I could, because it wasn't really, it didn't feel like people were getting it from the marketing and from the trailers and from the posters. Um, for despite its factual inaccuracies, it's actually quite a nice film at its heart, you know. And I, I didn't go into it expecting uh, really anything, and I just ended up really enjoying it. Um, and so you do feel like almost like obliged to, you know, guide people towards something if it's not really getting a fair shake. Um, but yeah, like comments like, you know, just from the general public as regards the way it looked, it didn't seem to be being taken as a proper film. It almost seemed like just like a campaign for the post office, you know? that didn't really need to have any application outside of it. So. Hmm. I do also remember in terms of design, something that's come up more recently is the fact that a lot of characters all look very similar. There's a lot of recent films. It was a meme that was going around on, uh, on the old social media uh, of um, the fact that Arthur Christmas looks a lot like one of the brothers from Onward and looks a lot like one of the characters from... Uh, the Will Smith spy pigeon movie. Um, and that's not me even flipping. I genuinely can't remember what the spy movie. I think um, it's just called Spy. spy I have no idea spy what you're talking pigeon. about. Will yeah. Smith? I, yeah, he was a pigeon. I remember him in, as a fish. Nope, pigeon. 
Okay. Pigeon this time. Um, he's so, such a versatile actor. He can do he land, can do sea, pigeons, and air. He can do <laughs> spectacle genies. Was it the, the one the, with the, Ricky Gervais in it? I don't know. No idea. But yeah, the, the meme was basically pointing out the fact that a lot of CG characters look a lot like Arthur. There's this kind of gawky right. sort of... Um, it's because it, uh, it's... Big-nosed kind of uh, yeah, skinny like sort of thing. Yeah, the guy in Ratatouille. It's um, yeah. That's the other, one of the other characters, yeah, yeah. They're um, very caricatured yeah. idea. Like, CG, I think, has a tendency to be even more leaning on stereotypes than maybe the other two because it has to function as well because of just how it how cg characters are built like you can kind of do everything the fact that you can stretch limbs out and stuff but at the end of the day they do have to house an armature in the same way that a stop motion puppet does and has to be rigged but it doesn't have to deal with gravity in the way that stop motion does so you do end up with a lot of like lanky characters and really over the top characters and they all do really heavily lean on caricature so Mm. like you know whatever it maybe it's like it kind of comes off as a bit lazy so like oh uh arthur's a fuck up so he's going to be gangly and awkward and and how would you represent that visually oh he's going to be tall and he's going to have like you know bigger mass you know bigger ears and nose and stuff because it sort of shows that he's a bit of an oddball yeah, there's only so much. I mean, the 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 mannerisms of um, of Arthur as this character are very much, you know, the way that he's he's slipping around and stuff are the same as as Linguini when he's controlled by Remy the Rat in Ratatouille. The same as um, the the character from Onward. I can't remember the character's name now. I've only seen it recently as well. Yeah, um, it's a very but yeah, the, film. Yeah. <laughs> like I like but it, that, but it yeah, you don't yeah, re- you yeah. don't really fail. I think because there's two kind of main characters, like even though the younger one is the main character, he has pretty much the exact amount of screen time as his brother. Yeah. And yeah. who I also can't remember the name of. I think as well to both um that character from Onward and the character from the Will Smith spy movie are voiced by the same person which doesn't help the uh the assertion that they're all the same. Um or people who would say it's the opposite. Um, but yeah, I mean, the other characters in this film, I, I, I think there's a lot to, to be said about the character design. I mean, as, as, as much as the eyes um, might not be, might not be brilliant. I do like the fact that it kind of, it's, there's a lot of world building within it. There's a lot of kind of, you know, you can, you get the characters, you get what type they are. You know, obviously Grand Santa is this sort of Chelsea pensioner and, you know, this, this kind of army thing that goes throughout. And then you've got the brother Steve, who's this sort of, um, you know, more modern Santa. I, I really like the design of this film. Um, the, you know, what they've done with it. You can tell the Aardman kind of ingenuity runs throughout it as much as, um, you know, that giant, um, you know the giant spaceship is shaped like a traditional sledge, and the control room is shaped like a Christmas tree. Um, it, it's yeah, it's it's not Arpen's finest hour, but it's it's a it's a great film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy doll um, popping up on screen. Either that, or you just don't like what I just said, which is also a valid reaction. Uh, but yeah, um, I like this one. Yeah. I think it's a. I think it's. I think it's a good film. It's also. I must point out. I think it's the first Squiggly Film Club uh, 
film that we've done that's directed by a woman. My goodness. To our shame. What is wrong with us? I know. I blame the industry. Yeah, well, indeed. Conveniently. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sarah Smith uh, directed this one, who's now on with um, Ron's Gone Wrong, which is coming next year. So lots to look forward to there mm-hmm. with uh, Locksmith Animation. She went off to do her own thing. Um, but yeah. But yeah, this, um, this particular film as well was one of the... Um, uh, the first articles I ever wrote for Squiggly was a report on this at Annecy in, in the June of 2011 um, when uh, when it was Peter Lord just talking about the, both this and Pirates and it was a really exciting kind of it was a really exciting time for Ardman they'd got this this huge deal, obviously, with um, with Sony Pictures, and there was lots of promise, and there was lots of kind of exciting things on the way. And we saw a preview of Pirates, and we saw a preview of this, uh, and they both looked great. And then, obviously, they fell a little bit flat in the box office, which um, I think soured the uh, the Ardman Dreamwork uh, Ardman Sony relationship, which is a a, a bit of a shame. Um, they've done all right since, though, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's always the what ifs, you know. Um, what if that relationship had continued? What might that have led to? Um, you know, I, it's a, it's a tricky one because there's only sort of so much you can blame on marketing and the fickleness of the general public. Um, I do wonder if, like, in hindsight, they would have done the films slightly differently in any respect, or, um, I don't know, just sort of what the actual expectations were of their performance, um, mm. what might have been, I don't know, so few things are in anyone's control, you know, um, but it's not, I mean, what is nice is that Admin is still, it, it remains enormously respected. And um, I was chatting with a guy uh, a month or so ago who has a, another Christmas film that's on Netflix um, uh, called Alien Christmas, and he was talking about just how important Ardman were. And he, at one point, had been... Um, he did a lot of stop motion for The Simpsons, and one of his yeah. sequences was uh, Wallace and Gromit... Uh, Tribute slash homage slash ripoff. Um, ah, yes, yeah. But you know, it's it's a great little moment, and that I remember being like shared on social media at the time. I guess probably around the same time as this, sort of twenty ten, maybe. Um, and it being kind of a, a big deal, like in terms of like Jesus, Abman really has penetrated, um, you know, the uh, the zeitgeist, if you will, that's mm. on the Simpsons. Um, and I don't think people had quite realized how, like, beloved they were overseas. Um, and there are other things that indicate that. But, you know, that I think, like, from our viewpoint here on this side of the pond was a good indicator. And he was gushing about the work Ardman do and, um, uh, you know, how ingenious they are and how, you know, their films really, you know, they deserve a place you know, in terms of international recognition alongside, and, you know, a lot of the Americana, when it comes to stop motion, 
doesn't necessarily have the ingenuity. Like, there's a lot of classics of American stop motion, but the animation's a little juddery. The stories aren't necessarily, like, you know, I don't think people, like, regard them as films that change their life in the way that people would talk about a Wallace and Gromit film. Um, so I think that's the difference is, like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that was just on, whereas if you saw an Aardman film, it really made you kind of sit up and pay attention. Um, as the name is Stephen Chiodo, if you want to check out that interview. You know what they mm. haven't done in a Christmas film, as far as I'm aware, and please let me know if this is already a thing, but you know how, like, in this one, the idea is that they they all come from one family of Santas, and that's who Santa is. Has there been a version of the film where, like, Santa has multiple brothers and they all just go and do it all in one night, but they only have to do, like, a quarter of the earth in a go? I, I don't believe that's been used in a film. Or, or Are you pitching? I'm just saying, like, there are two brothers at some point. Like, I feel like there's a, a story arc in this that's like, only one of them can be Santa. Or you could both do it. And I, I, I think job. that's where, yeah, I think I think it sort of lands there a little bit, doesn't it? I'm not uh, sure in, I can remember. Because it's sort of Arthur's, Arthur's, obviously he's the heart of the operation, isn't he? He's, he's that kind of, um, uh, he's got the you know, Christmas traditional, spirit. he's got the yeah. Christmas spirit. He's full of love. He's full of all that sort of stuff. Whereas Steve is, is Amazon. He's eBay. He's, he's kind of Apple. The efficiency. Uh, kind of efficiency and heartlessness and and just get the job done by you know spreadsheets and quotas and things like that and i think there might be some form of um you know they might they might get together in the end uh, i i I, uh, I seem to recall but um yeah as you know that they, they're two two halves of a whole but that would make a great film because uh, and obviously it'd lighten the load as well I'm watching all this uh, sleigh, flying sleigh animation and uh, little twirly things and escaping peril and putting on the blasters, and it all just pales in comparison after last week's film. <laughs> well, the- what I'm lo- the thing I'm looking forward to is all the racism that's to come <laughs> when the sleigh arrives in uh, Japan or uh, in France or wherever else they want to um, uh, 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 have, a, have a go at. <laughs> Um, they, uh, yeah. Did this film get caught any controversy as Pirates had? Uh, I don't think it did. Not really I anything don't... you could get mad at, as far as I'm aware. Maybe now someone on Twitter would find a way. But, well, uh, you think, Ben, would you like me to read one of the, uh, oh. the user reviews yeah. from, yes, uh, indeed. <laughs> from IMDb? That's a nice um, business of the present wrapping. So I... Um, I had a little look on on IMDb for some comments, uh, just to, just because I was I was bored, and I thought I'm going to filter the ratings by one star reviews to see what people could get upset about for the, <laughs> for a film like this. Excellent. Um, and this one caught my eye. Uh, the the review goes: "Capitalist warmongering crap." <laughs> What's being beheaded, the Cuban Missile Crisis and World War Three got to do with Christmas, you may ask? Well, if you're not asking uh, when watching this movie that mentions all three to a child audience, then you need to reevaluate your outlook on the world. 
Meanwhile, the film drives capitalism straight through the heart of Christmas, replacing magic with horde of workers all doing Santa's work, who is simply one in a line of workers himself. And all this with annoying middle-class-rooted British characters. No thanks. Bust. Certainly not one for my kids. It's a lovely review, isn't it? Yeah, they clearly understood the... <laughs> The message of the film. Also, what Christmas film is not all of those things? Yeah, can you imagine a Christmas film that goes on about capitalism? Good, goodness I mean, me. <laughs> there's another one here, and I'm, I have, shall I read the whole thing out? We've got an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for a good, joyful, touching movie, something, and, and apologies for stumbling over some of the words here because this is this is written terribly. Um. Uh, it, and, and anyone's written it, read any of my stuff on Squiggly knows that that means a lot. Um, if you're looking f- uh, for a good, joyful, touching movie, something that you can <laughs> sit all the way from the beginning to the end, in brackets, like the Polar Express, do not watch this movie! This one does not bring anything special or new or fun or mysterious or exciting like in any previous one. Moreover, the plot is loose, simple and even absurd. So absurd that even my eight-year-old sister cried to leave the cinema. (laughs) Um, It's about uh, about the adventure to deliver a gift to a girl, the only one that a delivery system missed. But the adventure was so predictable and boring. I figure out why the director not think of anything more creative or interesting for the adventure. I'm reading it as it's read. Uh, as it's written. Um, the plot also ruins the image of Santa Claus by betraying the fight for power in the Santa family. In addition to such a bad plot, the expressions of the characters are boring. Not freaky, Laura. Boring. Uh, it's like we have seen it a million times before. The same old song. I really hate the main character. Quite clumsy and stupid. Maybe my worst favourite character my most favourite character is Grand Santa, who had a golem-like look and some fun quotes. But all in all, the characters have nothing special. If you compare this one to other previous Christmas movies, in brackets, like the Polar Express, the Christmas Carols, you'll find great differences in every aspect. Or in other words, you can't be, it can't be compared to the masterpiece of the Polar Express. Uh, I went to the cinema happy and excited. I left the cinema totally disappointed. I like the way that the Polar Express keeps being w- w- weaved masterfully throughout this review. Maybe we <laughs> and should God have does it go it's on. It's a Christmas yeah. classic, clearly. I've been saying that since day one. Yeah, maybe we should start <laughs> watching this now and watch the second half of the Polar Express. Oh, a, a mashup. Mm. <laughs> well, you can't win them all. You certainly can't, no. Um... Yeah, I, I do. Uh, I do occasion like like seeing those uh, their interviews. Who could get mad at a film like this? I yeah, mean, these people like clearly, it or, or you're nothing. It is my kind of people who have never made a thing. <laughs> I wonder if it's got an entry on um, Amazon Movie Reviews. I don't know if that's still going. You know, the Twitter account, yeah, which is the best like Amazon Movie, and so people don't understand like life <laughs> reviewing movies. <laughs> um, Even, like, with the Polar Express, we joke, but, like, it's a perfectly fine film. It, everything is just an opinion. People will dislike and like everything 
that they can. When you think about it, reviewing is an interesting thing because it's, it's like everyone is trying to make you be on their side. Like, yeah, there yeah. isn't really... Like, with having bought lots, like, buying gifts and stuff at the moment, I can't, I'm constantly being inundated to review things, but things that I haven't used because I've bought them for people. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't review it, mate, because I haven't tried it because I bought it for someone because it's Christmas. But I've had, like, the same company email me, like, eight times in the last week, be like, please review us. And I'm like, I can't. And it's a, and it's a hamper, so it probably will never get a review. <laughs> validators yeah. validators I think, I, I think please for like results from like people of a certain age because you do see those reviews of like bought for granddaughter she didn't cry five stars yeah, yeah. <laughs> they said thank you because they're not assholes <laughs> and i'm like well they're not i've given Would it recommend. to i'm like wait until january if they're dead i'll blame you it's an odd thing but i feel like reviews for films are like that as well like it, you sort of it, reviewing is an odd thing because you you do take it all like obviously you do it because that's why how you pick a film sometimes. Mm-hmm. If the grand consensus is that this is a free star film, then you're like, eh, I'll put it on, but I may not pay attention. But you might end up loving it. You know, it's a bit like with the argument about like CG and stop motion and how that always sort of pinpoints back to something like uh, James the Giant Peach and Toy Story, and how the argument is always that Toy Story was just a better story. But I love both of those films equally as a child. And that was because I, in my head, I didn't have any kind of, like, fondness for one over the other. And I didn't realise they came out at the same time necessarily. It wouldn't have occurred to me. They're two completely different films. And it's odd that as as a culture or as a society that we pit them up against each other. Because they can't really compare to one another because... They're not the same kind of film. No. They just both happen to be animated and aimed at children. You weren't being mm. influenced by um, an attitude one way or the other. Mm. Yeah. But what's interesting is a bit like what you were saying earlier of this film and it being associated with the post office and stuff and that sort of almost was almost a hindrance because it became like a, oh, it's just that film. It's, yeah. you know, it's almost throwaway. And I feel that you know the if the issue when it comes to those kind of things is that those the films that are sort of seen to be not performing well in the first couple of weeks then they get all their marketing pulled and it gets put onto something or like or you know with toy story there was a lot of marketing for that because it was this whole new thing Mm. and pixar was really and pixar is part of disney and pixar and disney if they think what they're backing is a big thing or a worthwhile investment then they really do go for it and they you know they put like loads of money into toys and that kind of thing and that just wasn't ever a thing for Jameson Giant Peach so arguably you can be like oh well it didn't perform and then you have that whole argument of like oh it was the death knell of stop motion I was like no it wasn't we just decided it was for no reason it didn't get anywhere near the budget put into it as a film it didn't have anywhere near the budget put into it for advertising so it became a, a lost gem and then found its people a bit like Nightmare for Christmas that also got completely thrown in a box for years and then found its people much later. Yeah. But arguably, you know, Nine for Christmas is one of the biggest, most beloved films, animation film ever made. And it started off almost like a dirty little secret. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and the yeah. other thing is with those films is 
the difference between stop motion and CG is stop motion ages better overall like a classic stop motion film you will still love you'll love it probably as much as you would then and having things like Leica in the new Ardman films don't take away from the the love you have for Jameson and Giant Peach where even watching this nine years later you're like oh this does not look as good yeah. as something that comes out now like if they had been trying like not that they did this with this film but like when we said about Flash Away if they'd been trying to mimic claymation then that would look awful but now you're like, eh, it probably look quite decent. Cut to ten years down the line, probably wouldn't look so good. But that's the sometimes the problem with CG is it's often trying to mimic another style. Sure. Mm. But if they just done it in the style, it would age better. I think that's I, I, just to sort of not to contradict, but I, I I think this is this film is its own style, and and as such, even though we've said that the the Arthur looks very similar to others. The rest of the film, it, 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 I don't think it looks that dated or aged. I don't think it tries to do anything uh, too flashy. I don't think it, it doesn't. Yeah, I don't think it ages particularly badly, but it does fall into a certain capture of films of this time, of this era, of this type, where everything is just too clean, which is often an mm-hmm. issue with CG in general. But like. The old guy, for example, this this jacket he's meant to be wearing has been like in the store cupboard for years. It's pristine. Where if that had been mm. in stop motion, they would have put a great amount of effort into making it look tattered. And if it had been in, you know, in 2D, and actually nowadays, because of just like how much more depth there is to uh, like in CG, like with all things, the further on we get into development, the more nuance we can get. So now, like, you sort of see CG films that are coming out now, and you'll see, like, extreme close-ups of things that you wouldn't think we'd ever see. Like, even if you look at the three Toy Story or the four Toy Story films, like, now you see, like, the scratches on Woody's eye. The imperfections. Yeah, and it's it's that yeah. that they're starting to get put in it. And I think nowadays, the one thing I, like, especially in that, watching this film with no sound and no audio the one thing that i'm very aware of and i do realize it's a narrative point as well is that this film is insanely sterile and clean and i'm waiting to see at what point that turns because at the moment everything kind of looks like it's shot inside a hospital and i'm assuming that narratively that's going to change at some point but it hasn't yet Uh, i'm not sure if there's any narrative element of the film that um makes it so sterile brings things around i think that i assumed it was going to come to a point where it's like and now they've understood the point of christmas that it's not just about efficiency and getting all the presents out there it's about the individual child well I at think the moment that... everything is still very very cold yeah now are you talking about the set and environment design or just the general like textures and rendering everything like even the lighting so we're in a dirty alley right now and we've got a a grimy wall behind them but it still looks relatively clean right and you're saying that that's an artifact of of when the film came out and what cg right i I understand what you're saying and also Um, i think as well that it's the fact that this film lacks any kind of christmas lens at the moment like there's no bright colors really even the bright colors are subdued there isn't christmasy lighting there isn't christmasy like lenses to things like nothing has that kind of warm buttery feel that you'd normally get from a christmas film this might be on netflix but it does seem like there's a very dull grade 
on yeah, this. Yeah, the on whole film. film. And I think that is just the film. Right. Well, it's because it's nighttime. Is that... No, but it's, I mean, it's, no, it's the same. Like it's like in... inside the buildings as well. Like, all the lighting is so extreme. And I wonder... I don't. What I'm saying is I don't know whether that's a narrative choice because it's sort of... That's part of the narrative is that, that like, they've become quite sterile in their idea of what Christmas is. It's just about gay getting the presents out there and it's they've sort of lost the meaning and that's what Arthur's doing at the moment so he's putting the meaning back in mm. or whether it's a, a thing to do with the CG at the time which is that they weren't quite able to get that cinematic warmth into films again mm. or you know what I mean yeah I mean yeah I'm as you brought this up I'm analyzing what I'm looking at and I think that that I don't think it was their intent because when you really study what's going on, this door, for example, the door frame and the house number and the letterbox, there's like a little bit of warping on the wood. There are little dinks in the metal, but you don't really. It doesn't catch your eye in the way films do now. The little imperfections, they're there, but it does all. The overall presentation feels cleaner. Again, just I think because it's 10 years old, nearly. Yeah. But what I'm actually finding is that the... See, this shot here, if if this wasn't a product of the time, and this was about the wonder of Christmas, I would have thought the colour fairy in this room would have meant that everything would suddenly seem very, very warm and comforting. But I think at this point, they're trying to hide a lot from the audience, because this is a, swi- a switcheroo, isn't it? We think that we've arrived in at the location in Trillou, Cornwall... Whereas the what we're about to see is that's all the background has very much been hidden from us as a part of the film. I get your point about the um, but all of a sudden we, we now find out we're in Mexico and not in Cornwall, which is where we're supposed to be going. That's why the background's been hidden from us. However, you're completely right about the mission control place being sterile, and yeah, um, well, even that Serengeti, it was Africa and and. Um, yeah, but I would say that this is still very se- sterile. I know it's nighttime. Yeah, but it's also cri- it's also an animated Christmas film, so the fact that it's night doesn't really fucking matter. Yeah, I think I think there <laughs> would yeah, be yeah, different deep blues yeah. decisions made now, as you know, regards the kind of overall look and because <sighs> even when you think of live action films. And that's and really that's where CG sort of blends between because they do consider themselves more like live action in some regards because they you know they have a set they can really do whatever they want lighting wise so they can just keep adding lights it doesn't make any difference to them I'm surprised that they that's what I'm saying is basically I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop to see whether at some point there becomes they put like a orange lens or orange filter over the lighting to make it feel like a classic and Christmas right. film. From my memory, I don't think that is implemented. In um, which case, I find that weird. Yeah. I, I can think of films where that has been. Um, and, you know, grading in general can be a, a, a really, really effective device for, you know, engaging you with the film and making you feel something from a scene without realizing it. Mm. Um but there are a few factors to consider, and I think a lot of it's to do with what you brought up about the time and the sort of nature of CG productions at the time. I do think that, you know, streaming it the way we are is 
it's incredibly, you know, clearly defined and stuff, but it isn't optimal. Like that, I I do think that part of why it's as washed out as it is is the streaming I, platform. But I think I could forgive. I would understand that, and I could forgive that in terms of like everything not necessarily having like huge amounts of texture or having that like extra added layer of detail that I was talking about. But that doesn't account for color grading, because whether our TV or not, we would see that. I think you're. I think sure. where you where you. Well, I think what you're getting at is this sort of uh, often said. Well, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong. It's often said idea that if you can make it in live action, what's the point in making it in animation? Uh, and I think the li- in terms of lighting, it's gone for a, a hyper real lighting, even if. So you've just um, up the color the on the TV, are- which has made everything brighter, but the overall filter color is still green. Right. Yeah, I've, I've just made everything more saturated. But that, <laughs> but that's an odd choice for a Christmas film. It's all greens and blues, you, yeah. Like, often, like, like Hannah is one of my favourite films, and I did a colour-grade watch of that wo- film once, and I thought, looking at it, you think it's all blue, but actually, 90% of that film is green, and that's because green is, you know, symbolic of, like, unease and surreal and sci-fi and things not being right. And I find it odd in this film that the overriding color choices they've made are blue and like a sickly green but not like a christmasy green and so the characters mm. are wearing red but it, that the red is actually very odd and jarring and unlike all other christmas films the predominant colors are like gold yellow and red because they're trying to make you feel warm and comforted because that's what a christmas movie is meant to be and they haven't done that in this which would make sense because of the story but that's what i mean um um, if it doesn't at any point change then it's either because cg at the time wasn't able to do that or it was some sort of strange directoral choice yeah to make everything seem very cold and because that's just not what you do at christmas because obviously it's going to be cold it's it's december and it's all, all often based in snow and wet but that's why it's even more important to put a marmalade lens over everything because it's you're trying to evoke emotion of warmth and comfort and good tidings in a time of year where it naturally wouldn't look like that. Because mm. even like Elf, which is based in York, which is like the city of grey, it is still warm. Yeah. <laughs> Except for in the parts where it's not, because he's is he is out of place in the city. But as that film goes on, it does get warmer as you know the Christmas love sort of spreads in the film. So when you, Do you think like, there's at, the, like a early... lack of glow, yeah, there's just it's just weird. So the lights in the background that we can see in uh, behind um, uh, behind uh, Steve there, they're very clinical, very mm. uh, they're not they're neon, they're not. Um, I've got that that warm glow to them. There's, there's, it, yeah. I can see the. I can see where you're getting the sterile. Um... Which is an interesting thing because even if you'd have like, because there's loads and loads of shows and films and stuff that use that kind of like huge computer lab like look for, and it's normally mm. in sci-fi films or things to do with space when they're like, you know, they're doing mission control. But normally, what they do in that is they actually bring the lights right down. And so yeah. they're like that. You can't see the ceiling. It's just this blackness that sort of appears over the people, and even that has a warmth to it. 
because it's normally like you sort of, if you think of it in like films where like a spacecraft has gone up but they're not going to make it home because something's gone awry even mm. then that has <laughs> that has a warmth to it because they use the the lenses they choose to use where in this they're also choosing to do a lot of wide frames and not a lot of like there's been very few close-ups it's all like long shots and mid shots because it's it seems like the focus has been on like look all the amazing things we've modeled this i think it, it the uh, the camera moves from what i've read that's a that's a real um a real point as to why this film is done in cg it was it was sarah smith's first um feature film she was brought to ardman uh, to head up the development of Ardman's feature division, and then according to the uh, the Ardman autobiography, she just said, "I'm going to direct this one," and everyone was kind of uh, taken aback by her kind of um, boldness, uh, and they let her get let her do it. And she had a kid during the making of the film as well. Um, anyone who's who's kind of met Sarah, um, you, you'll know if you've met her. She's not a, she's not one of those people you forget meeting. Um, she's very kind of um, I don't want to say loud, but kind of memorable in a kind of in the best way, and you can tell that she's got that force behind her that could actually make a film like this uh, or get a film made whilst having a kid as well. Um, but uh, the idea of of this being a CG film, it's not just so Sony can get involved, uh, and it's not you know to take away from Ardman the grand stop motion film. Um, it's so they could move the camera more. It's so they could to, could could create like a handheld camera. Uh, within it, or at least that's the uh, what I've I've read up um, on there. But you're not getting that; you're getting more of a kind of using it to show off the CG. Yeah, kind of overall. But I I see what you mean. Where like obviously it would it would pay to do it in CG for this kind of thing because there's a lot of like flying for one, which would be very hard mm. to do. The thing is, it's both. It's you know, the, obviously the the Arbid line is going to be. We use this method for the artistic merit and the freedom it gives us to do justice to the story. But there's also going to be like, hey, we're doing this in CG. Let's show off a bit. Mm. You know, that's what all CG films do, really. Mm. I don't think there's ever been a, a CG film that kind of did one or the other. And I mean, certainly there are some that were just all superficial, but. You know, they probably didn't really intend to be. They probably, you know, there were probably people involved who felt that there was some artistic value to it. Um, hmm. Yeah, I know they were probably... <laughs> it's a good reveal. Um, they were probably, as far as the decisions that went into, you know, the clinical look of the film... Um, Maybe they just felt it made it more contemporary. I mean, it's certainly, like you're saying about the the green and blueness of it all, that was just very much in vogue in television and film at the time. Um, and, you know, it was something that, that bled its way in almost sort of, you know, imperceptibly. But um, you would take an episode of, a show, of an HBO show, for example, that was made in, like, the late 2000s, and take an episode of that same show, you know, from the first season, you know, five, six, seven years ago. And the color grading was, it was like night and day. And everything was blue and green for a yeah. long time. Um, 
It just felt like a, a sort of a dreary overcast day underwater. <laughs> mm. Mm. Um, so maybe that's just something that was kind of, that just sort of bled into general production. Um, but I, know, I think also the, the, that I think we've kind of orbited around that so much is kind of indicative that there isn't that much wrong with the film visually outside of that. Like, mm. we, you know, we talked a bit about the design being, you know, in some places a little off, but it, it's, it's working as a film and it's holding up and the animation is very good. I mean, I think that's the sort of the most crucial thing. And that, I think, is also the kind of difference between what makes something look dated or not. Um, you can forgive an awful lot of, like, not sins, but just, you know, technological, um, uh, you know, lack of advancement from older CG or stop motion films if the animation is good. Um, that's why, you know, shorts from the beginning of the 20th century, some of them are, are eminently watchable because they're so appealing to look at. Whereas, you know, there are, like I was saying, some of those other, like, stop-motion Christmas specials that are kind of janky. They're a hard watch. They're not that satisfying. You know, there isn't that much charm to them being old. Whereas, you know, stuff like, um, uh, well, I guess a, a good example, if we're talking CG, uh, you know, it looks like Junior, which is animated really well, and that holds up for what it is. Tin Toy animated terribly and is like watching a nightmare but they're probably because they both, try to do too much yeah yeah but they're probably both sort of as technologically limited as each other but one mm. is is trying to run before it can walk and the other is just being a good little film sorry that sounded very creepy <laughs> being a good little film <laughs> um it's it's being you know what i mean um it's staying in its lane, I suppose. And that, that doesn't date it. That makes it as watchable now as it was back in the day. Um, well, I think, obviously, the, the, the limits of the technology was limits of making CG. Metal was dead easy. Plastic was dead easy. Paint was dead easy. That's why the first um, Pixar film is Toy Story, because plastic is dead easy. And what are toys made out of plastic? So it's, that makes it super easy. Whereas what they did with Tin Toy is, let's make a human baby yeah. using uh, very limited scanning technology. Whereas Luxo Junior, it's about the action, it's about the motion, it's about the, you know, um, uh, the animation. You know, it's, it's acting, it's pure acting. Even the first um, Toy Story, yeah. The State of the Dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, that was a rough moment. <laughs> yeah. Or even Sid. You know, he mm -hmm. looks like a, you know, yeah, he looks like a corpse. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, everyone's got Lego hair, you know. Um, that actually reminds yeah. me of um, when we were talking about, like, CG, the cleanliness of CG being overcome a bit by attention to the infinitesimally small details. And mm. thinking back to the Lego movie, it's almost as if we, from that point on, I feel this is when we kind of crushed crossed the threshold in terms of like you know 
adding just that level of detail. But because of, I guess, the whole concept of the Lego movie being in such a small-scale world, everything is really, like, you know, amplified as though we're under, like, a sort of macro lens kind of thing. Um, And there's a point in the Lego movie where the main Lego character leaves Lego land, uh, essentially, and goes into the real world. Um, And so we see that little figurine, but now it's live action. And there are close-ups of the figurine, the live action figurine, that are the imperfect. It doesn't have the imperfections that the CG equivalent does. Like the multitude of little flaws and scratches and stuff actually aren't there in real life. Like mm-hmm. if you go that close on a Lego piece, they're not that busted up or scratched. You can't really get at them that way, but it, it's become a sort of appealing thing to see in CG. I think now that we can sort of do it well, so they kind of doubled down on it in a way that actually isn't representative of photorealism. It's it's a little it's a step beyond. Um so I think that sort of by in hindsight is making earlier CG seem a lot cleaner. And it is something I noticed if you go from Toy Story One to Toy Story Four, you know, everything's all busted up, you know, as soon as you you're getting a medium close up, you know, mm. um those toys are all in a state. But they're just basically models of of the figurines in Toy Story 1 because, you know, it didn't, I think at the time, probably, A, it would have been a needless extra thing to have done, um, and it wouldn't have served the story. Um, It only sort of made sense to do it when the technology was there, you know? But also by Toy Story 4, they are meant to have had three different owners, so they would be a bit more Time has passed, yeah. Um, And obviously in Toy Story... Two is like Woody has. There's that whole scene where Woody's getting being touched. restored. Yeah. yeah. Um, so no, in they, which point they, the sca- scratching yeah. and stuff is actually of value. That made sense for this scene. So yeah, and I liked the bit where where Buzz Lightyear in the first one he has his, his like you know crisis of existentialism, and um, he realizes that his control panel or whatever is just a sticker and he peels it off. Mm. And it's just that horrible, like, glue residue you get when you peel stuff off your toys. Um, like, the, for those moments, you know, there's that level of detail. Um, but generally speaking, you just kind of get on with it. Otherwise, that sort of era of films. I feel like this film is taking on a lot of <laughs> burdens of other films. <laughs> Like it's it's yeah, it's, it's yeah, become it's the to other films' crimes of the entire yeah. CG industry. <laughs> it shouldn't answer for their crimes, when <laughs> yet here it is. It's I um I think one of the things this film doesn't get the um it's a great film. I didn't see it until years after it was released and all that sort of stuff. But it one of the things it doesn't get praised for as a CG film um, is the fact that there's no. Um, there's no bad guy in it. Mm. The bad guy is... I think that might be one of the things that's missing, but at the same time, it's one of the things that also makes it special, is the in terms of... Um, when I say bad guy, there's no villain. Obviously, no. bad guy, you can say... Um, that doesn't tend to the, be in Christmas films, though, either. Like it, it, oh, no, I think it's, it's more normally, of a modern um, thing. It's a, it's a story about realization and acceptance 
normally when especially when it's a santa based and that's what this takes yeah that's what this takes on doesn't it it Mm -hmm. really takes on that kind of um it's about steve accepting that you know christmas spirit is uh it, it needs to be in it and arthur accepting that you know, he was right all along, I suppose. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, yeah I, I do too. like... Yeah, there was one in the earlier... Um, there, was a, there was a villain written into earlier drafts. Um, there was going to be a um, an evil general called General Antler, and he wanted to kill the reindeers to make burger meat. Um, but it didn't quite make it into the film. I don't know what sort of film we'd be watching if that was that the case. That would be really weird. <laughs> Wouldn't it just? Where would it fit? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's... Um, I, 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 When I first watched Arthur Christmas, I did get that... Um, you know, I did feel really kind of... Uh, I, I was delighted, I will say. It, it really... I went into it watching something that I I didn't know what to expect, so I didn't expect much, and I was uh, I was blown away. Uh, I'll, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say I, I was absolutely heartwarmed uh, by it. I thought it was great in terms of Christmas films. I'm having a little look at uh, the review up on Squiggly.com from about nine years ago that I uh, I penned. And uh, just to see what I thought about it. Uh, my memory alone not being that reliable. Uh, and it, it seems like I kind of lined up with your opinion on it overall. Um, oh, I nicked it off you, Ben, when I read your article yeah, nine years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I can't form my own complex th- thoughts or emotions. It's I get a- mine off the internet. <laughs> I've pretty much nothing negative to say about Arthur Christmas. In fact, and this doesn't behoove my uh, carefully contrived aloof persona, it's kind of the perfect Christmas film. Well, there you go. Premiering locally last night as part of the Wallace and Gromit Grand Appeal and Aid of Cots for... That's completely unnecessary details. Fucking hell, Ben. Word economy (laughs) is your friend, me, nine years ago. They probably... There's probably some thing where I had to mention that. Let's um, <laughs> skip to the end. The summation you probably gathered by now, it won me over completely, pretty much within the first reel. As a film in its own right, it's witty, warm-hearted, and visually sophisticated. What are you talking about reels for? Um, you know, movie vernacular, because I'm a film reviewer. From 1940. <laughs> yeah. This talkie really had some pizzazz! <laughs> This moving picture show. <laughs> um, the guy at the front playing the piano played all my favourite show tunes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's visually sophisticated with enough sparkly magic to enchant the kids and sly grown-up jokes to keep parents engaged. And miracle of miracles, it's instilled in a disenchanted grump like myself a sousson of seasonal spirit. Is that what you actually wrote? <laughs> of course. It, it probably won't last beyond the first round of Christmas shopping, but I'll savour it while it's there. <laughs> so oh. really. That's a word. It, it is. 
<laughs> Christmas spirit clearly hasn't uh, touched everyone on the podcast. They'd be dead. <laughs> Frozen in space. With a gas mask. <laughs> Doesn't she look like the Prime Minister of Australia? New Zealand. New Zealand, yes. Yeah. Chris Pern. One of the, uh, one of the characters yeah. is called Chris Pern. We'll nod there to, uh, well, to Chris Pern. <laughs> These reindeers are going to be on fire. Yeah. Now we have That's our deer burgers. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it was going to conclude. <laughs> I like the sassy old reindeer. Why it's is great, there always it? a sassy old reindeer? That that I've noticed in <laughs> all bones. in everything in all Christmas films. There's always like a really gnarled reindeer. That's like I hate Christmas. <laughs> well, old jingle from um, Robbie the Reindeer, another Aardman production, um, which is Harry Enfield uh, kind of doing his best Obi Wan Kenobi sort of nutcase reindeer impression, which is uh, yeah, not many of them. I like the design of the elf. It reminds me yeah. a little bit of the uh, the kids in Nightmare Before Christmas. Like the designs of the, oh, the kids yeah. opening the presents. Um, they're kind of sort of quite far apart, little beady eyes on the big heads. <laughs> and she has, I think, a lot of the, the best sight gags in this. There's some stuff that really sort of, it, it feels quite on brand for Ardman when you think of like, you know, the stuff that they're really kind of known for, the train track scene, for example. There's some lovely stuff with her and the wrapping as a device that kind of gets her from A to B to C. Um, I like the kind of like saving herself from like being uh, thrown off the sleigh with the um, the sellotapes she has in her pockets. And um, yeah. It, they, they have really fleshed out that particular part of the um, uh, the world, haven't they? I mean, in every Christmas film, elves are always there making toys and dressed in bright colours and turning them into, like, commandos um, is... Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great move. And there's a lot of fun you can have with that. The, you know, like you say, with the sellotape and wrapping, you know, I can... I can wrap a piece. I can wrap present up with only three pieces of sellotape. Um, all that type of stuff. I do. Who I do uses like that. more than three pieces of sellotape on a present? Well, <laughs> y- well, indeed, we were wrapping presents the other night, and um, uh, Jen, uh, my wife Jen, was um, uh, doing the origami wrapping. So she was wrapping them with no pieces of sellotape. Yeah, take that, twenty eleven elf. <laughs> She'd make a great elf. Oh, our marriage is going to be in jeopardy when you see how many pieces of sellotape per present 
yeah. you're going to be faced with. <laughs> that's the disappointing thing about being someone that's good at rapping. That's the disappointing thing about being with Ben. Yeah. <laughs> his judicious cellar taping. But if you're someone that really enjoys rapping, the likelihood is everyone around you really hates it. And so you always end up with presents that are like, here are five pieces of different wrapping paper wrapping one thing. <laughs> like wrapping paper economy. <laughs> well, we've got to be you know, mindful of our environment. Exactly. All wrapping paper is bad for the environment. I mean, all Christmas is bad for the environment, yeah. Yeah. isn't it? The whole it's of Christmas that. is terrible. Uh, us just not having gone extinct yet is bad for the environment. <laughs> but, you know, you hey, all... nature's clearly working on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's trying real hard. Are you all ready for Christmas? I mean, we've Clearly. got one week left of podcasts. Are you, are you all set and, set and ready? To, you're full of the Christmas spirit there, Ben. <laughs> Cheering on a deadly pandemic. Uh, I'm actually, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the year ending. Not like life is going to immediately get brilliantly in January. I, I'm brilliantly. so, like... Not like life is going to immediately get brilliant in January. But um, it's been a... a I don't know. I just, it's like looking forward to just having a bit of a nap. I'm going to look forward to a little two-week nap. <laughs> I'm so done. Like, the other day I kept getting, like, emails saying, Merry Christmas. I was like, just let the year die. Stop <laughs> emailing me. I don't care anymore. Leave me alone. It's, I'll see you in January. I'm done. I'm done with all of you. Yeah, I think you've kind of <laughs> tapped out already. Yeah, I, I'm finding it very hard to care <laughs> about anything other than Christmas. <laughs> But, you know, I'm also, I mean, if it, we're kind of taking it sort of day like by day. I like fancy but... Santa. <laughs> I like stylish Santa. He's wrestling a present of a child. He really, <laughs> for some reason in the last couple of years, there's always a, an Ardman character that really reminds me of Paul Hollywood from The Great British Bake Off, and he really reminds me of Paul Hollywood from The Great British Bake Off. <laughs> and in the Sean movie... Silver Fox. In the Sean movie, it was the um, dog catcher. He really looks like Paul Hollywood to me. <laughs> You're watching too much Bake Off. It's just a young Paul Hollywood. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that kind of weird oblongy shaped head that's sort of like thinner at the top and goes wider at the bottom. And then that like Gary Rhodes circa 2000 haircut. And the overly manicured beard. It just all says Paul Hollywood. This is just Christmas Paul Hollywood. Oh, look, the co-op. The co-op and the post office <laughs> getting the their... Post office uh, reference. I feel like yeah. it's a bit weird that they actually just say the cooperative. Like, that it's not like a pun. Like, that to me doesn't feel very Ardman-y. That it's not like a rep of... That? that it's an actual like yeah, co- yeah, co- just co- says co- the cooperative yeah, yeah. and the post office, you know. Yeah, yeah you expect it to be um, a pun. Yeah. There's not there's an, a dangerously low amount of puns in this film for an Ardman film, I think. Like visual puns. I don't know. I think there's a lot of visual. There's some good visual stuff in here, but um, you've also got to tie it all in, haven't you? Um, Christmas, Christmassy. 
uh, Christmas wise. But yeah, it's not the uh, the Ardman onslaught because it was released the same year as uh, Pirates, and my God, <laughs> they that used film all the puns really, up in that one. Oh yeah, the, the pun quota was uh, was through the roof, wasn't it? It was. Uh, this, it was incredible. This bike is going to be wrecked by the time they get into this kit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here's your bike. The white tyres are a little bald and smelly and grey. <laughs> but It's um, completely damp. Yeah. Yeah, imagine opening up the uh, the present on Christmas Day and going, hmm, the seat's warm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You open it up and say, it's definitely been used. <laughs> Also, at the the rate they're going, I feel like they would have got there quicker walking. Because <laughs> at the moment, it's a bit like one of those clowns on the unicycle. <laughs> this bit is nice as the sun's chasing them. As if the kid's not going to be up early on Christmas Day. Let's not take it away. <laughs> We're engrossed. We've, ne- we've never been this quiet watching a, a finale on a... Uh... What's he waiting for? Why is he waiting for the sun to come up? I think he's waiting for, I think he's waiting for his, his dad, isn't he? Or, or he's upset? No, he's not. He's I'm upset so confused. Uh, oh, the wait. sun is there. It's too uh... late. But no! Fake star. spaceship. I mean, the parents are probably up. Yeah. Just gonna say. Because if this is winter in Cornwall in December, if the sun has risen, it must be like 10. <laughs> no kid sleeps until 10 on Christmas. <laughs> Except me. Ah, there's Sean. Sean the sheep. Yay! Finally. Her parents are going to come out of their room in a minute and be like, who the hell? (laughs) There are three grown men in my house. (laughs) What's happening? I've just realised what it is about the eyes that's freaking me out. None of them have eyelashes. Right. So their eyes are really ill-defined. Hmm. Hmm. Do they not? They don't seem to. Mm. Where normally you'd get that little bit of a like black outline around the eyes that sort of makes them pop because they would have oh. eyelashes. Laura, all I can see is Paul Hollywood now. Yeah. <laughs> I ruined it. <laughs> Wait until you see uh, the Sean the Sheep movie again. 
you can't unsee that too. I saw that like when I went and saw the puppets and was like, oh, you've made Paul Hollywood. <laughs> I can't unsee it and now it's just who it is. Will there be a Mary Berry puppet? They're all Mary Berry. <laughs> so I was having this conversation with... <laughs> Uh, with with uh, I was having this conversation with Jen about presents from Santa. Mm. Did you get presents from Santa when you was a yeah. kid, yeah. as well as yeah. presents from your family? Yeah, I never did. What? I always got presents from my family, and Santa delivered them. Oh, um, they weren't letting Santa take any of the credit, were they? Oh no, they paid for him. <laughs> like, he can believe in Santa, but we fucking bought it. Exactly, yeah, but Santa's not shelling out for this, you know, Bradford so did you Northern think Santa shirt was or like electric guitar. Amazon before Amazon? <laughs> yeah, my parents were clearly ahead of the time. Santa was just a delivery service. Yeah, so, so that's what you pay your taxes for. Then who gives exactly. a shit about Santa? It's like, you did, so you would have ranked Santa on the same level as the postman? Yeah, but, I mean, you know, a bit more special than the postman, isn't he? Is he? He's got a he sledge. He didn't get you anything. Yeah, but the postman doesn't get me anything either. He just yeah, exactly. Sends but I'm not inviting. I'm not inviting to... the postman into my house and giving yeah, but him the a postman gives, posts bills to to my mum and dad. And me as a child, I only get p- birthday cards once a year from the postman. Whereas Santa Claus delivers awesome presents. Hmm. But yeah, I I I, I found it really weird when my. Uh, my niece and nephew on on Jen's side, obviously, were getting their um, their presents, and you know, they said, "Oh, this one's from Santa Claus." I was like, "Yeah, Santa's delivered it, has he?" And they're like, "No, it's from Santa Claus, Steve." I'm like, oh, when you see Santa Claus movies where they have like a toy workshop, well, yeah, what that did never you makes think sense. That was about it never made sense. I was huh. like, well, so so do they make them and give them to the shops for them only to come back to the North Pole to be put in and then Oh, so you didn't even think he made them. You thought I thought you thought that like your parents ordered them from Santa and he No, I know them. I know they came from Woolworths. I know they went from the oh. I mean, there's no way that Santa Claus is going to be making a Bradford Northern shirt. Is up in his workshop. <laughs> He's going to be like going, you know, oh, we need to make this Bradford Northern shirt. We need to make these, you know. Why would why would Santa make Beatles CDs? <laughs> I, like, I like the idea that Santa Claus had a wing of his workshop where he he put together Super Nintendo cartridges. And... Yeah, I think I think that's probably I think Christmas movies probably actually ruined the idea of Santa for me because I I didn't understand the thing that like sort of like once my brain fell into place and it was like able of able to comprehend things. It was like. So, wait, why do all the parents not believe in Santa in all of these films? <laughs> if he, if he's real. And then it would always be like, oh, but he is real. It's like, but how did they not realise that? Like, where did they think the gifts were coming from? Mm. <laughs> well, I, I found out that Santa Claus wasn't real. I shit you not, from a Judy Bloom book. This, <laughs> this is the curse of having um, a reading level, an advanced reading level. Because if you read stuff that's for, like, young teenagers when you're eight or nine years old, then you learn shit about the world that you guess you weren't <laughs> meant to. And, um, yeah, that was uh, that was how I got the news. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, I also learned about nocturnal emissions. 
at uh, probably around the same age. Ew. Like in Judy Bloom. She's a troublemaker. I think the... Also, don't eat turtles, which is probably good advice. <laughs> I think... Fucking the... fudge and his hijinks. <laughs> I think the, like, pinpoint moment where I was like, without doubt, ah, Santa is not real, was when I got, like, the wrong Lego set. And I think... That bastard! No, I know, like, retrospective. Like, I don't think I was, like... I think Malibu, I did get upset. <laughs> I think I got upset, but I think I got upset. And my parents got like really upset about it because I was upset because I was like, ah, this confirms that Santa definitely isn't real. Because I think in my head, because of be- maybe being raised CV, I also thought I had the opposite to you, Steve, where I thought so- Santa was basically God. So I thought he was omnis- <laughs> omnipotent, and so if he couldn't read my mind, then he wasn't real. So, like, the fact that he didn't know the exact Lego set I meant in my brain meant that he wasn't real. And I remember the <laughs> next year getting, like, going to, like, Toys R Us with my parents and, like, my and me going, that's the Lego set I wanted from Santa last year. And my mum going, well, just get it, just just to make sure. And I was like, ah, Santa is not real. I see. I get it. I'm on, on page. But we never had the conversation. I never actually said it so really for quite a long time my parents still gave me presents from santa right up until i think about 14 but it was just like a joke like a weird thing we're like we know you don't believe in santa but now we're just (laughs) used to it so we're just going to keep going i think when i got to that sort of cocky point where i was like going to challenge my parents on it oh i never and i like so santa claus that's 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 all made up right and um i don't think they they really fought back on that they were like uh you're 25 no. ben <laughs> yeah it's about time we told you some hard truths about the world and the easter bunny <laughs> he didn't buy so you how- your grooming kit <laughs> <laughs> but then so no, my reaction was then? okay so i guess what like the the tooth fairy isn't real it's like nope it's like and god and jesus that was all made up too it's like yep <laughs> what what <laughs> you may as well just tear this bad date off <laughs> Um, so, so how old were you when you found out then, when you were reading uh, Judy Bloom then? I think about, I don't know, I would have been in primary school, so about seven or eight, I guess, which yeah. is probably a good enough age to... Yeah, to that's about right. And how old were you, Laura? Probably about the same. Yeah, I was ten <laughs> when oh. I was told. Yeah. I was I was told when I was ten. <laughs> I feel I had, like I had to it keep can't them... have been that upsetting as you just thought he was a delivery service. And I wasn't. I remember being sat around the table like, and, and my right. parents sort of, they sat me down. It's like being told and, Deliveroo and, uh, isn't real. <laughs> well, yeah. well, I was. they sat me down and they put me at the head of the table and they were, oh, they were each one on each side of me. And it was like, oh, and, and my, my, what I thought straight away was, oh my God, somebody's died. What's, what's this all Santa, about? Santa, Santa is dead. But, but then I was like, what, what's what's died? I didn't realise it was my childhood uh, sense of wisdom and, <laughs> and, and purity and joy. Um, no, but it's weird that they and felt like, the need to actually to just tell, tell you. you rather than just fuck it, let him go. Well, I was ten years old, Laura. It'd been going on for too long. <laughs> it's when you're so, when there's that one kid that like gets into proper fights in the playground. Like, no, he is real. You just were like, I feel like as a teacher, you should be able to be like, no, mate. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not sort of. That might have happened. Not a fight, but. Yeah, I was being teased because I because I was like, well, hang on, you, you're saying Santa's not real. He is real. My parents would have told me if if Aww, he wasn't you're real. So beli- you're, you're so like honest. Yeah, hmm. I believe anything. Yeah, and then and then obviously my parents sat me down and was like, oh, 
oh, fair enough, that's fine. And they went, whatever you do, don't tell your brothers. That was what it was. I was the older, I was the older brother, and I was like, yeah, we've got this, got this magical secret now. That's replaced any magic. <laughs> no, I just imagine the you notion like, of Santa hat <laughs> leaning up against door wells, wearing a like Nirvana t-shirt, going like, "You don't know, man." <laughs> like, they're just all giddy, like, "Oh, Santa came!" It's like, "Yeah, sure, he did." Kid, did he? smoking did like he? a chocolate cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> you keep believing. Yeah, yeah, your hair combed back, <laughs> yeah. leather jacket. <laughs> Childhood things, kid, short lived. <laughs> Trust me, I've seen some shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Weird Santa Matrix going on here. So yes, thanks for joining us for this Arthur Christmas commentary. But um, I think no, I think we 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 stated clearly enough did. that we uh, <laughs> enjoyed this film. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad I'm, when I watched it for the first time. I was. Like I say, I, I was absolutely delighted, and I'm I'm always delighted watching it. I mean, I'm glad that we managed to pick apart, <laughs> as we do with all these uh, commentaries, uh, pick apart you know bits that we that might not sit entire right with cultures. one another. <laughs> like, yeah, let's just you know destroy it for ourselves. But I, it's still it's not kind of it's not taking the lacquer off for me. I think it's still uh, a, a, a special achievement, and and one of the kind of. Along with Pirates, one of those Arpen films that really doesn't get the credit it deserves, um, mainly because it's probably been brushed under the carpet given the, the Sony deal went flat. But, um, you know, a tremendous achievement. Great Christmas film. I think with it being in, done at Christmas really gives it that kind of every year it'll get watched again, which which is great for the... Uh, yeah, I'm happy. Feels like it found its place eventually as like a good movie to have on TV around mm. Christmas time. Yeah, um, I think it's kind of settled into that as a tradition. Hmm. With apologies to um, Miku Kayama, who was the senior color and lighting artist on this film, for uh, <laughs> all of the color and lighting denigration. We leveled at it. The fine film. Everyone. Yeah, we've really questions. made, made their not, Christmas, haven't we? <laughs> I'm not slagging her off. I'm just, I just have questions. Mostly yeah. just why? Why? Why so cold? Why so cold? Why so cold? Who hurt you at Christmas? <laughs> what the hell is that? It's an elf. Oh, Jesus. That was, that was an odd moment. That was weird and unnecessary. Silhouette <laughs> in the wrong color. What? What flew back at the elf? I don't. Some it. sort of. It's a snowball snow? fight. Oh, snowball! Okay. So next week, guys, the big one, the one we've all been waiting for. Well, well, three of us have been waiting for. Oh, we're not doing the Jim Carrey Christmas Carol. No. I guess we could do Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh. Uh, yes, looking forward to that. See you for the last uh, Squiggly Film Club podcast of the year next week. Ta-ra. Bye. Ho, ho, bye-bye. Yeah.